so had someone picked me up and transported me into the future and dropped me, you know, 20 years later and said, this is what your company's going to look like, I would have, I would have thought I was hallucinating uh, because I would have never imagined it. But, you know, it's really, it's always been, uh, you know, our first core value is uh, developing guest relationships one meal at a time. And every meal we serve is very important. Every single meal, every experience, every detail in the business, every, uh, everything from, I mean, I just saw where our interior decorators at one of our locations making sure that uh, things are fresh uh, because there's a lot of wear and tear on our properties because of just the sheer volume of people walking through our buildings. Mm-hmm. So we have to maintain them. We spend a lot of money on uh, repairs and maintenance. And you have to, if you're going to stay in this business for the long haul, you have to constantly reinvest in your company, which is basically reinvesting in yourself. And, you know, we're always doing stuff for our people. I mean, always. I mean, it's just, it's never ending, really. So how would you define your role? Um, you know, I'm, I definitely, um, I, I do have a, a chief operating officer by the name of Jonathan Kim. He is my right-hand man. He's the, my go-to person just about mm-hmm. on anything any major issue or even minor issues, but uh, uh, I really just try to, to see the big picture of the company and visualize um, and try to see it always through the eyes of our guests. How do they see us? How do they see our marketing? How do they see our, our buildings, um, our staff, our uniforms, everything? You know, uh, when, I, when I walk into a restaurant, one of our restaurants, I, I look at the lighting, oh, wow. uh, the, the landscape. Um, I even like to sit in certain tables and try to see what the guest sees mm-hmm. and that from that vantage point. So uh, it's really just uh, taking care of the overall big picture and let, getting out of the way because I have a, a tremendous corporate staff. Uh, I have a chief marketing officer and uh, Heather McKeon, and she does a fantastic job with her team. Uh, every, you know, we have graphic designers, we have social media people, and uh, I just let them do their job. I mean, I'll. I'll keep an eye on what they're doing just to right. give them some good constructive feedback but at the end of the day they want to do a good job and that's what you and you want to get out of the way so they can be creative as possible because uh times are changing uh the mm-hmm. world is a lot different because of the internet social media google i mean when i opened up that google wasn't there i mean nowadays you can literally google anything you want right. recipes uh anything i mean and it's it's interesting because that was a, that's a tool today I'm not sure, I mean, I guess I would have used it to the best of my ability back then, but it would have been uh, strange just doing it back then. I mean, word of mouth was really the way you, you, you got the word out exactly. about your business. Now, well, some companies still retain that. Like it, Tesla is kind of word of mouth. Yeah, uh, but there's, their presence in social media is still there, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or what have you. I mean, in other oh, words, there's still ways right, of right, getting right. the word out. I mean, even ourselves, we don't do a lot of... Um, uh, television or radio advertising, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with just Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook is kind of where we focus that, a lot of effort. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting to when I said that because when your company reaches a point where the experience and the customers translate the vision and the the values, you don't have to spend money on marketing. Right. Know? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. Um, I'm not sure where it's all going. <laughs> Uh, we, we, but we do keep our ears low to the ground and really try to pay attention. But at the end of the day, it's when that front door opens, that's where our focus has to go. 100% of our focus has to go from the time they walk in to the time they leave because they're the ones that are paying our light bill, our staff, our food, everything. And if we can get them to return, because this business is 100% about repeat business. 
Mm-hmm. I see restaurants opening all over Houston. They're packed in the beginning, and that's typical of any restaurant that opens up a new restaurant. And uh, but months later, they're they're uh, they're they're closing, or years right. later they're closing. You know, when we go into a new market, although we're even established in this Houston market, I'm extremely paranoid with a, a new location because, like I tell our management team. Yes, our dining room is full, uh, and it'll be full for the next few m- weeks or months. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're trying to change those those people's habit of where they used to go on a Friday or Saturday night because they went somewhere. Right. And here they are; they're trying you out. So you have to hit on all cylinders in this business. Uh, there's very very minimal margin for error, uh, especially in the Houston market. It's one of the most competitive restaurant markets in the states for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And where did that come from? Where does that approach and that mindset come from? How does that develop? Because it's not a uh, you know it's not a normal or natural thing to a lot of people, uh, regardless of what industry they're in, regardless of who what kind of customers they cater to. Um, yeah, just curious to know you know how you develop that. Well, it gets it goes back to um, even again in the very beginning when we opened the first day of sales, we only generated five hundred and eighty dollars in sales. And on the second day, we did almost the exact same amount. And I can remember on the third day, my oldest brother calling me, who was actually dead set against me opening this, reopening this property because he knew the history of it. I mean, how many people would say, yeah, you should open a restaurant in a building that's already been four failed restaurants? Yeah, go ahead, do that. So on the third day, when he called me and asked me how much we had done, and I told him, he said, that's it. And he remembered how much the family restaurant El Toro did the first time. And Mm -hmm. so his response was, close the place. Um, wow, we did we did more the first time we were there, and I said, so long. And this is the the important part. I said, so long as those five hundred and eighty dollars worth of guests are happy and pleased, they'll come back. Right. And again, it's about repeat business. Uh, you have to establish regulars, and and you and the last thing you want to do is lose one. If you could do anything and everything in your power to keep them, make them happy. Uh, you know, we used to have a philosophy of you know the, the customer's always right. Right. And uh, we've actually changed that a bit over the years because we have discovered that uh, a lot of cases, a lot of times they're not right. Um, and really what they really want is to be heard. So we, we really try to listen and, and not uh, diminish a decision that was made by one of our, our servers or our management team to make sure that, that everyone is heard and let's right. find a solution that is fair to both parties, it, it, everything in business should be about a win-win approach, not a lose-win or, or win-lose. It must be a win-win. I definitely agree, and I kind of read that in, um, I believe it was Forty-Eight Laws of Power, one of one of these books I read, um, where if you approach things from a win-win perspective, it's hard for the other person to say no. Right. And I think if we all curate that mindset instead of. You know, trying to capitalize off of people, trying to make quick money, right. especially in this environment where, you know, you see these opportunities online where you can, uh, if you purchase a mentorship program, you can make money or you can change your life, your circumstances. And there's a lot of things promised without the actual foundation, the actual process, the actual education even and I mean education in the sense of acquiring information whether it's through self-learning whether it's through right. uh, you know the formal system but we're missing the process I think there's too much of the end result too much emphasis on how you can get the Ferrari 
or how you can make money or how you can make or how you can stay in a mansion but there's not enough of an emphasis on the journey right no i agree downfall the failures and so you know if people hear stuff like that from people like you it resonates with them it's something that they need yeah i think all too often especially in the early years uh of a, of a person's journey in, in, in the work career, uh, they spend too much time defining their, themselves through the eyes of other people. And they're, they're too worried about what other people think about them and how they see them. And mm-hmm. that kind of just stops them in their tracks, unfortunately. Uh, if you can just forget about what other people and just focus on what you're trying to accomplish, you'll get so much further, so much faster. And that's kind of what I did. I mean, I really didn't care that people may have known. And I will say this, though, um, that, that people may have not known that I lost a house or returned a vehicle because there wasn't social media to blow it up any longer right. than what it was. So I will say that times are different, and, and but you have to still study them. I mean, in most cases, if people are having an issue with social, social, me, social media, they need to get off of it completely. And right. that way they can focus, and they'll be surprised where they can go with that and let someone else handle it for them if they have to. But... Um, don't don't leave anything in your way that's going to hinder you. Is what I'm saying. Hundred uh, percent. I think it's difficult, you know, because people want to be connected. There are pros to it. Obviously, that's why it's popular. It's you know, some people use it as a direct dopamine source, where getting likes and looking at their followers makes them feel successful, <laughs> makes them feel happy. Yeah. Um, they start acting like it. I think that's a huge problem. I personally, I stray away from that, um, you know, fake follower culture, all sorts of things. And it's like a, it's a social proof. I mean, I gave this example a week ago, you know, as VR and as AI progresses, when we have a lens and we can see a person and their summary, that their, their description pops up when you look at someone and you see, you know, what they've been through what they've done in their life, what they're currently doing, the impact that they've made in people's lives. Instead of the follower count, I think that would make, uh, you know, we, we would treat each other in a better manner and we would be more understanding of each other in terms of that. Right. Instead yeah. of just looking at a curated picture or an image that people create just to look successful. You know, we're all trying to survive from the cradle to the grave and, you know, it, it's, it's not easy, I will say. And um, I'm, uh, one of the things I like to do uh, is give people my time. Uh, when I was uh, in the 80s, late 80s, I, was, I started a tortilla factory called Omatador Foods. Mm-hmm. And I would peddle tortillas to any, any Mexican restaurant at the time that would buy them from us. And one of the companies I called on was Larry Forehand with Casa Ole. He, uh, at the time, he was one of the largest uh, Mexican restaurant chains in Houston. And so I'd call on him and hoping he would buy product for me, knowing, him knowing that our family was also in the restaurant industry. But he gave me the time and he actually gave me the opportunity to sell him product and he did buy from me for a while. Um, and I really appreciated that because he didn't have to. And, and you know, one of the things, just, just doing that for me made all the difference in the world. You know, you never know uh, when people are put in your path that can really uh, change your course. Right. Um, you know, I'm hoping someone, that, for example, listening to these words today, will, will make an impact on them and, and send them off in a different direction. But there was a uh, particular uh, moment in time when I attended a chamber of commerce luncheon in Laporte, 
and I was probably early 20s, 22, and I was working at the El Toro in Laporte. And so I went to this luncheon at the local Civic Center, and uh, the lady who owned the catering company did a fantastic job of laying out the, the food table and all the tables where people sat mm-hmm. to, have, to have lunch. And so I went up to her and I started a conversation and just complimented her on the fantastic job she was doing. And she, uh, she, she asked me, she, after she learned that I was also in the restaurant business, she asked me, uh, so do y'all cater? And I don't remember exactly what I said, but apparently how I said it uh, made her stop me mid-sentence and say to me, wow, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And wow. it was literally at that moment, like she took a two-by-four and hit me upside the head because it woke me up and she was so right. So almost from that point on, my confidence level definitely increased and, and helped me along the way. But it was a turning point. It was an important mm-hmm. turning point. And I've had several like that along the way, um, uh, you know, with different people I've, I've, that have in some ways have mentored me. And I always just like to get around successful people because I know I'm going to learn something from them, whether it's uh, through what they say or their, their habits. Uh, one of the most important habits that you can uh, develop and, and, uh, and witness uh, is just how you greet and treat other people. Right. Um, my wife, one time we're having dinner, and, and this is quite a while ago. This is probably 10 years into Gringo, so this has been, let's say, 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at that point, I had what I called momentum, uh, realizing, okay, I have a formula that I know it's going, it's going to work. Right. And so I would tell my wife, though, I said, you know, if I was to attribute why I'm here, uh, the reason, uh, it would have to be because I really do try to treat everyone the way I want to be treated. And, and, and I didn't know at the time, but a few years later, I had read a book about Napoleon Hill, again, The Law of Success and 16 Lessons. Mm-hmm. And the very last chapter, chapter 16, is called The Golden Rule. Right. And so I read that chapter, and, and what stood out in it uh, more than even the actions that you, you do toward others, the way you treat, he spoke more about the way you think toward others. And uh, even today, um, you know, I wish the best upon all my competition. Right. Because at the end of the day, I feel that they will make me better as an operator. They will force me to get better. But uh, there's a saying, you know, everything you do to and for another person, you do to and for yourself. So I want to be successful. Therefore, I'm going to treat everyone with respect and be nice to them to the degree that I can. And, right. and you know. And that's I, humility as well. You know, it is. If you reach a certain level of success, most people kind of start losing that a little bit. You don't, you don't look at yeah. human beings for who they are. You look at... Uh, them for how successful they are right. relative to right. you. Well, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't believe I'm better than anyone else, period. So, uh, you know, the people I like to go greet in the, when I walk in our restaurants are dishwashers. They have some of the hardest, the, the hardest job in the restaurant yet. Of course. You know, they're, they're, they're not seen, they're invisible. No mm-hmm. one really thinks about a dishwasher until they walk out. And then you have all these dishes that someone needs to wash and no one wants to do it. So right. they, uh, they're important. They're the real very, MVPs. Very yeah. Uh, one of my first jobs when I was 16 was uh, a server, and I think it was, it was a very good experience for me in terms of developing that humility and understanding of, you know, just people. You you see those people in the back in the back, right? When you're going in to pick the food up, you see them working hard, and without them, the whole system doesn't work. 
Like if you don't have clean dishes, you can't serve the food. Exactly. And they're an integral part, excuse me, of the of the overall cycle. But I, re- I mean, I genuinely appreciate that approach. I think more people need to be aware of the little pieces, like you talked about, the pieces in the puzzle. People need to be aware of what's making their business work, what's making the cycle run, how's the money coming in, right, and. I think if we put if the emphasis shifts on human behavior, appreciation, catering to the human, not just to maximize profit and just to um, you know psychologically get them to buy something or consume your product or whatever. Right. Well, you know the the, the one element you got to keep out of your life is greed. You know, just you want to stay away from greed.